Hi everyone, I'm your host, Lisa Fazio, and this is Wild Under Root, a podcast about plants, place, and magic. Even if lightning strikes, or if thunder splits the sky, if the mountains fall and rivers overflow, you can never stop a seed from growing. Hello, everyone. My guest for this episode is a friend colleague, as well as a teacher of mine, Mary Beth Bonfilio. Mary Beth is a writer, mentor, and ancestral catalyst. She believes storytelling heals, connects, and can shift worlds, especially when we learn to tell and retell the stories of our ancestors and the stories of ourselves as future ancestors. She believes our bodies hold history and our cell memory holds magical multitudes. She received her MFA from Antioch University, Los Angeles, and guides writers closer to all their voices. She is currently holding a container for ancestral storytelling, magic, ritual, oracle, and fortification through Blood and Belonging, an ancestral wisdom school. She also runs Radici Siciliane, which is a community pilgrimage effort bringing the Sicilian diaspora back to Sicily to learn ancestral arts from elders. She has three daughters and a longtime partner. She's originally from the land of the Erie's people in upstate western New York, but now lives on the land of the Multnomah people in Portland, Oregon. Her Italian nonne come from Sicily, Salerno, and Venice, and her maternal grandmother comes from Poland. So welcome, Mary Beth, to the Wild Under Root podcast. Hi. Hello. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit from the ground up with, okay. um, so your work right now, well, let me ask you, what is your work in the world right now? How would you say what your work in the world right now is? I just have to break the ice and just share this and I hope it's okay they share it. You can edit it out if you love. Like Lisa and I have been jamming on the on the this conversation for like an hour already. And so like to like we're, cut we're, it off. Pick, we're picking up in the middle, actually. Yeah. <laughs> this weird awkward moment where like now all of a sudden we're recording. Um well um okay so my work in the world that's a really big question <laughs> i know well i'm I, I really identify as a writer like i really do yeah. as, a, as a as a somebody who communicates what i see and what i witness and what comes through um i haven't been writing a lot um since COVID. it's actually it's just been like a big block um, it's been really difficult for me to be experiencing, um, this period of pandemic and not knowing really how to, um, language it. So, mm. but I do, I do identify as a writer. I do think I came into this world as like a communicator and a writer. Mm. So that is my work. Um, and who I am is very, you know, in some ways similar, d totally different, but similar in the sense that we were born into um, these bodies um, from 
immigrant grandparents from at least you know partially sides of the southern italian diaspora and so slowly 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 i've been walking in for you know a good 20 years into um holding containers for sharing and being part of reclaiming a lot of the magic and medicine ways of being a granddaughter of that diaspora um which is is a really um it's really interesting because it's a very much an italian american diaspora and it's very similar to you i was born in upstate new york my people came through ellis island landed in upstate new york just a little west of where you're from uh outside of buffalo so i feel like you and i have a lot of civil like just a lot of similar upbringing and understanding about you know the folks in upstate new york um it's this very specific culture and it's not like anywhere sure. else not like anywhere yeah else. for sure we have so we have a shared ancestral heritage and a shared um now present heritage of being from upstate new york which is uh very it is a it's a culture of its own and um in the in italian enclaves so to speak in upstate new york i'm from utica new york you know we're um we're a we're a culture of their own yeah for sure for sure yeah. and when i went west so i'm not there anymore but yeah. like i'm always an upstate girl like I will always be an upstate girl. And you, and the more I talk to you, the more it comes out in my, I know. In my <laughs> you're in the accent. People are always like, where are you from? I'm like upstate. They're like Hudson River Valley. I'm like, oh no, upstate right. and like west. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a totally, it's a totally but, but a lot of, you know, a lot of our folks went to these places because there was factory work, right? There was work. So that's where we, you know, and there was land and there was factory work and that's where we were. Um, so yeah, that, that's, I mean, it, it's, it's, what is this? How do we define this work? How do we define this work of being, what, what is the name? I'm not sure what the name of it is, but I really like to create containers for people to be able to explore their ancestral stories, to explore their own personal ancestral medicine, to remember that they are, um, they, they are who they are and they belong to themselves, but also they do belong to a different kind of, for lack of better word, like history than um here on you know colonized american uh, turtle island soil you know like we have a very long long history of both asshole ancestors and also really wise amazing beings um that go all the way back and like i think that my work really is maybe less about even just the italian american you know cultural diaspora but holding space for people to journey down those um, lineage, their lineage lines, their bloodlines, and really kind of exploring who is, um, who's there for them to guide them in these fucking rough times. Like what, 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 what ancestors from maybe like, uh, like 37 generations back are like right there being like, I've got so much medicine for you. And then how, like how we can, as people explore that and learn how to receive it while grappling with those maybe colonizer asshole ancestors that some of us have that i mean all of us have you know right so would you say i know this is kind of how i feel about it is that my italian ancestry and my identification as an italian american is really the foundation 
of it and it turns into something else when you bring it to life now because i like i feel like it's like well i've got all this ancestry and i'm also half irish and living in on turtle island right in the diaspora of both of those cultures and so having been shaped by not just my ancestry but living here now so like that's how i like, like i'm wondering like how do you feel do you feel like that's like so it's like that's the platform right is that what you're mm -hmm. saying yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah because we're i mean i only have one like i only have one generation buried in the soil right right and there are so many generations of ancestors buried in the soil that are not mine i know yet you're feeling that is when you really feel that like it's just like this is because we're we're conditioned i feel like we're conditioned to this idea of being american but when you really think about that it's like the well i have more on my irish side i have like i think up to four generations buried here on my irish side but same with you my grandparents were both born in italy when i think about that it's like the people that were buried here before then are not my ancestors. <laughs> like, like the, the idea of being American. Responsibility to them, I think in some ways, and this is like, I mean, maybe I'm out of place for saying what we have for them because they're not our ancestors, but I do feel a certain sense of responsibility to um, learn how the land under our feet is our ancestor as well. And right. also, also work with, the spirits of our ancestors to sort of in some ways heal and make right for the fact that we're standing on other people's ancestors and 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 the soil that is made from them in ways that you know was not consensual so so this ancestry work is goes i mean everything i do magically or ritualistically always comes from the, my southern italian and maybe i should like kind of like really affirm that you know and like it, you know i don't appropriate any other, like any other culture like i have a really rich culture to draw from so always come from that lens but i do see it as like a a bigger body of work um that doesn't just stay in like the italian american um cultural lineage though everything that i work with comes from that which which was not um a hundred percent given to me by my elders by my zia and my none like that wasn't I, I actually only knew one grandfather and he did give me a lot he gave me a shit ton but that's all i had because of the situation of, of i'm the youngest of seven kids um everybody's way 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 older than me i was an afterthought child so all the elders died off by the time i was 10 years old you know what i mean so i just have this like sort of family culture that i had a lot and then i had nothing and um so i had some and then i pushed away from every all the rest of it like right like you push away from this weird culture that you're brought up in um the food was still definitely there the some of the magical practices were kind of there but mostly it was like food gathering superstitions like that kind of thing and you start thinking it's really weird you yeah so let's you let's let's go there a little bit let's go yeah. there because i know we have talked about this off off recording many yeah. times 
but um, I had a similar experience. So Generation X, so I was born in 1970 and we're of the same generation. I won't give away your- I'm 73, so we're, yeah, we're yep. right there. Um, and so at that time, there was still a, a, a lot of anti-Italianism in the world, in the country. Um, and it was not cool to be Italian. I spent a lot of time trying to sort of get rid of that. My grandparents and my Italian family who were um, just still very intact, had still had very, had very intact cultural practices, um, multi-generational influence. They were a strong influence in my life because that's just the way Italian families work. They're just so present and they're domineering. And I tried to push back on all of that and spent a lot of time trying to assimilate and be as American and white, if you'll have that, mm -hmm. like, um, as I could be. So you wanna like share a little bit about your experience yeah. with that? I think that we, yeah, we came into the world right around the exact same time. And I think that assimilation piece is really important. We're like kind of in this in-between. And it was like this, this in-between is a very uncomfortable place. Whereas my siblings, I will say, who came into the world between uh, 1953 and 1963, there was not a lot of assimilation actually at all. Mm. And their, and their community was, they went to, they went to an Italian Right. Free, four free Italian immigrant families, Catholic school. Mm -hmm. My parents paid pennies to send them there. Their communities were only Italian Americans, only. That was it. Mm -hmm. There was nobody else. They went to right. school with Italians. They were socialized with it. That was it. There wasn't a lot of assimilation at all. By the mm -hmm. time I got in 70, I was born in 73, um, there was um, a shift and either it was because the elders were dying, the anti-Italianists might have been loosening up. There might have been a more of an awareness of, of like, why I'm white. I can be part of the, you know, of, of capitalist culture a little bit more. I went to public school with mm -hmm. barely any Italian kids. Like, my friends were not. And um, so... I was kind of, but there were still some elders left over. So it was a very, like, I call it the in-between culture where I'm like, I wasn't immersed like my siblings and my family. I certainly wasn't like, you know, my friends who'd been in that region for seven, eight generations, nine right. generations, set, settlers of theirs. I had friends that, you know, came from like, families came from like Sweden, like mm -hmm. way, way, way and settled the place. Mm -hmm. Um so I was kind of like this like strange anomaly where I had all this sort of like uh, cultural uh, belonging on one side and like was being kind of pushed out of it and also kind of wanting to hide it. Right. Like I didn't want the weird lunches my mom was paying right. me. I, I had friends who, you know, I mean, there was, and also Lisa, I'm going to be really, really transparent as you, as you know, this, and I've really, this has been a lot of part of my healing is like, you know, my father was, you know, was a bookie right and, and in a very small town, everybody knew he was a bookie. This mm. was like a Sicilian community of old dudes being bookies. This was my mm. dad. Yeah. It was, he was arrested multiple right. times. It was embarrassing. Yeah. I wanted a dad that went to an office or this or that, like, 
it got to a point where like, I was just like, oh my God, this is, and then there was this other part of me that was like fucking proud. <laughs> like right. there's other part of me that I knew there was something unique and special. And then this part of me where, you know, I was embarrassed. And as I got older into high school, I, I you know, I left Catholicism. I left, yeah. I went to like evangelical. I was very spiritual always. I went to, I just thought evangelical Christian camp oh. was a good idea. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 oh wow. <laughs> weird i did really weird things and I, then it was like yoga and then it was like you know it was everything mm -hmm. I, I, I was like wanted to study all the cultures right and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden like was all of a sudden at one point brought back to like oh my god i come from these people and that was kind of like i was probably about 24 or 25 years old when i was like all of the downloads from my grandmothers and ancestors started coming in and saying, Hey, yeah. you like, you're already working with magic. Why are you not working with us? And that kind of brought me onto like, onto this, onto this path. Um, I'm sorry about that ramble, but I hope that kind of answered. No. That. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, similar, I have had similar experience. Um, my, I was blessed to have my grandparents in through my adulthood, my, um, and I was the only granddaughter. Um, so my, my grandmother lived till she was 87. I was 30 when she died. And then my Nono lived till he was a hundred. He just died five years ago. And, um, he was, so that, you know, I, we were very blessed to have, they were my best friends. I mean, they were just, but yeah, the transition, but I still, you know, even then I, as much as I love my grandparents and I still, um, re, you know, rejected Catholicism, rejected my Italian identity for a long time. Didn't, didn't want to be made fun of for smelling like fish on Christmas Eve. Didn't want to be made fun of for smelling like garlic. Didn't want to be made fun of for talking with my hands. And I have been made fun of for all those things. So, or being loud. Or be, what's that? What's that? I was told. I was told once in high school. I looked. I mean, really, think about it. How ridiculous! I looked exotic. Oh right. I, I mean, I. Like, that fucking word. What does that even mean? Like, I don't know. And then, and then another time, I remember going into the car of a friend's dad, and she told me this. She goes, "I don't know why my dad said this, but once you got out of the car, he said, look and see if there's a grease stain on the seat.'" Oh, that's awful. I, and I didn't even understand what she, she's like, I don't really know what he meant. And I was like, I don't know what he meant either. What does that mean? I was probably like in fourth or fifth grade, you know? Yeah, and then I like, know. Later, I was like, oh, I know what he meant. Okay. The oil, trying to get rid of those oils. I just, I washed my hair. I was like, I don't want to be oily. I don't want to be, a... yeah. So now we're, so that now we're, we're, we're coming around. So as we've matured um, and, and, and gotten into this work and, and I feel like coming to awareness or awakening of the assimilation, which can be really subliminal. I feel like a lot of times you don't even realize that it's happening. Oh. No, um, that, and I feel like, you know, when you actually are doing your work and you're, you're, you're heeding the call of what is, is calling you forth that um, these awarenesses are going to come 
whether you like it or not. I remember years ago going to a therapist and being like, um, when I started getting into plant medicine is like, that's really when it started for me. Like it was just like, Oh, my ancestors are talking to me through the plants. You know, it's like my whole limbic system is just like lighting up as I'm, as I'm learning about these plants and tasting them. A whole bunch of other things woke up. And I remember going to a therapist at one point being like, can you just put me back the way I was? Like, I was really happy to see. <laughs> I was happy in this oblivious space. In this oblivious space. So, so now we're talking about the transmission of this information and the ideas around ancestral re reclamation. And what is reclamation? And what does it mean to claim mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. you are? Mm -hmm. I mean, what is that? And mm -hmm. or reclaim something that was lost to you. So that's like like a couple questions there. Like the claim, reclaim. Um, let's start with that. Claim and reclaim. Mm. Let's take a second here. And and I'll just I just I'll just add one thing to that that I think might help is that one of the things that I think we've talked about before, but I know I realized after returning to visit my ancestral homelands of both Ireland and Southern Italy, also realizing once there that I am an American. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And so growing up my whole life, my identity was um, Irish and Italian and then going overseas and being in those places that their perception of me is as an American. Oh, no. Yeah. See, yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, but wait, and they're like welcoming and lovely, but like you're American. Yeah. You're still Blondie the American. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Well, okay. So let's, I'm going to start with the word claim. And I think that that can get tricky, right? Like, because again, I, everything that I, everything that we're working with, or at least that I'm working with that I'm very aware of is that we are in a very complicated over culture here in which there's so much pain and there's so much trauma, collective trauma. Um, there's so much just really, really messed up history that's all coming to be unearthed in this moment, even right now, like it's been on, you know, being unearthed and uncovered and we're really sitting in with it right now. And so I think it's a very fine line between this understanding of like getting to claim <laughs> and then actually really, truly claiming. And I think there, there's multiple truths that live in that. And so especially because, um, there was anti-Italianism. There was this subconscious, probably assimilation. There was of the feel, the need to push away and create a different kind of identity that really did match up more to either either whiteness or other cultures in right. some ways. Exactly. Yes, saw, that's a good point. Yep. I saw out. I mean. Louisa Tesh's book, Jambalaya. Like right. I was like, that's what I'm in. And like, there were these places that, you know, I don't know, there's problems with her now, but what are we gonna get into that? But like, you know, like these different schools, these different cultural paths of magic, right? So I feel like reclaiming what I know was sort of 
part of a survival mechanism to just stay here and sort of survive and put blinders on is both a problem and also necessary. <laughs> it's like both, it's both a problem because like um, working with people now I'm talking about, and we've talked about this before too, when we're working with um, like ancestral reclamation as white people, quote unquote, white people or of, of the vast European um, lineages that are, that are present right now um, and all the spirits that go along with those people, we have some kind of sticky, yucky ancestors. And um, I think the um, idea or the want to claim the magic and the medicine of our yes. culture, sometimes we jump and we forget that we also need to claim these sticky, yucky, possibly just really unhealed and um, ghost-like ancestors as well. And we can do it simultaneously. Nothing has to be like this linear process, but to have this understanding that as you claim the magic and the beauty, to not romanticize the fact that you also have to claim the pain as well. Yeah. So, when I reclaim, it's like, I better, I got to do the whole, I have to do the whole package. And that might, that's all, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of pain and trauma in that and having to like reckon with Americanization and whiteness and white supremacy in our bodies. And also a mm. lot of real amazing beauty of ritual and ceremony and these teachings that are both, once you open up to ancestral magic, become downloaded through these mm -hmm. awesome, awesome answers that you have ancestors that you have into your body. And also you start remembering yes. what old little ants were doing. I know. <laughs> or even in the church pew with their holy cards or they're like, you start in to the kitchen, as we talked about in the kitchen. Well, they're freaking stirring sauce and clearing the evil eye from you at the same time. And exactly. no whatsoever right. you start to remember these things and all of a sudden there's a sense of like a belonging to a, a, a wholeness like there's something i don't even know how to language it but like that reclamation is about really taking picking all the pieces and sort of like bringing yourself into like this sense of like wholeness and and um being with it all being with the spirits of all of that so I, I, I liken it, I call what you were talking about, like just wanting to go for the magic or just wanting to go for the, as like ancestral bypass. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's like, we talk about spiritual bypass. It's like, oh yeah, but I only want to go to the, I only want to go to the good stuff. And I think this is a also a good time to talk about this in terms of um, being white in America and in the world right now that it is important in my own work. I feel like it's really important to acknowledge the relationship that I have to white supremacy, my position in relationship to that as an Italian American, as an Irish American, and as a white person, as well as being on um, occupied land and being the occupier on occupied land. And that, that sense of unbelonging that will, I believe, if you're doing the work, will always, that's going to emerge. Probably one of the first things that's going to emerge is that sense of loss. And I don't think, I, I don't think you can go anywhere until, I mean, like you said, different, all things can be happening at once and there can be many things happening 
at the same time, but there's a sense of loss and a grief mm -hmm. that to me becomes part of my identity absolutely and my wholeness and it becomes a chariot for the work in some ways too and we don't ever get to eradicate the grief grief and loss mm -hmm. this work is not to make us actually feel better <laughs> about it all you know like that's the other thing it's just to give us these pieces these pieces like it's just like kind of like wait a minute this was lost on this journey okay i still feel the loss and grief of being an occupier on occupied land and like this this belonging that is like always always going to eat away at us as the word belonging actually means etymology wise is to be taken by longing mm. belonging was not a word right when everybody actually was in cohesive relationship with each other in land. It only became after the great separation, whenever you wanna say that was, or however that was, that the word belonging had to come into the vernacular mm. or the, you know what I mean? Like yeah. how, because it means to be taken by longing. You probably weren't in longing when you were, when you were in an ancestral body. Let's just say when we were in ancestral bodies that were in deep relationship with our own ancestral land and our people. And I think another part of that grief, another part of that is we can't have that back. No, you don't get it back. Like you're not going back in time. You're not going back like, and so to me, the question is, and I think this will probably lead into some of the other things that we've been talking about. The question is we can't go back. Our Italian American traditions of such things as Benedicaria, mm -hmm. folk Catholicism, Italian witchcraft, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it. Um, and all those things could be seen as separate things and all those things could be seen as converging in many places is Italian American in many ways. So things have changed in Italy and things have changed here. And when our people came here, for one thing, in the Italian enclaves, for, for instance, in Utica, where I grew up, you have people from all over Southern Italy. In Sicily, mm -hmm. the same neighborhood, every family, first of all, every parish in Italy, every province in Italy, like Cal the, the Calabria versus Naples versus Puglia, whatever, they, the, all those areas would have had all of their own traditions. You're bringing, and then each parish would have all their, their, their own traditions, which is sort of where you get some of the things like, you know, my Nona, you know, her, there was a certain way you made meatballs, right? And then like my aunt Seal on the other side of my family, like, which was on my grandfather's side, like she did a different way. And it's like, my Nona was like, oh no, you can't do that, right? Like, it, well, you know, like what will happen if you do that, you know what I mean? Like that, that's wrong. It's not gonna taste right, you know, like that's just wrong. And, you know, in the same thing on the other side of the family, it's all, oh, no, 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 that's wrong. And you're just like, oh, so you've got all these people living together. Um, and so the traditions changed. Yes. And adapted to life here. And evolved. So really what we're doing here is actually not what they did there. 
And in all honesty, not what they do there now. So it's like, we're really, it's, we've created our own culture and it's actually really special and really amazing. I was talking to my sister about it. Cause you know, I was like in my grief mode. She's like, yeah, but what's really special is that it's really amazing that we really have created there. It really was a creation of an Italian American culture that did things so specifically that was only Italian American. Like it was its own thing. And talking about those cultural mixes, I know I didn't go into like where my people are from, but like I have three um, grandparents who all came from Italy and one grandmother who came from Poland. And on my dad's side, it's all Sicilian mostly and a little teeny bit of um, uh, around, outside of Salerno. And on my mother's side, though, her dad was born in, uh, my grandpa was born in um, a very small village and the Piemonte region, Venaus, this village named Venaus. So this very northern and very southern culture. And there is northern traditions. My grandmother, my grandfather from the north had a lot of really earth-based traditions that he passed on to me. It was really beautiful. And then my father aside from the, I mean, Sicily, coming into my one house with like my mom in the northern and my dad in the southern. And like, what about that clash? Like, you want to talk about clash of the sauce? <laughs> My uh, father is, you know, one way and my grandfather's or my grandfather's sauce from the north was another way. And like my parents thought about what kind oh. of sauce it was yeah. like the northern sauce or the, you know. So, yeah, it's in and, and, and even in the way that the southern side was a bit um, was superstitious, suspicious, magical, weird, right? Or seen as weird, I should say, right. because I'm my mother's daughter, and she was from the North. And they were just a little bit more like traditional in their Catholicism, just a little bit more refined in their Catholicism right. or, or in their folkways. They still had folkways. Right. But they felt, my mother always kind of was like, it was, was always like, we're just a little more sane. Now, it was not true. Like, this is all bullshit, but like, because they weren't sane, but like, it was just a little more sane. And my father said, it was just a little more like, out of their minds <laughs> in the way that they like showed up. And so like when you look at just even one household, right? And like one right. family, and then you look in the town, right. the cultural aspect of the town, and then that all had to come together and really kind of formed one right. sort of community. And all the layers in that. Right. And all the teachings. And that's what I think we want to talk about is like holding these teachings. So so right. So I think, you know, in this this leading into like this idea of reclamation tradition, the reclamation of traditions, the remembering of who we are in without the denial or without bypassing the hard truths of the losses that we've experienced and that we're living out, um, the traumas that we've experienced and that we are living out. And, and that, that we are relearning, remembering, sharing traditional ways, traditional ritual, traditional magic, all coming under those headings that I mentioned, Benedicaria, which is basically a, uh, the blessing way. It means the blessing way. And it's really just Catholic with Italian style, um, shaped by the, the culture. Um, and then folk Catholicism and how, and this has been a question that we've talked about, we've talked about in community, 
um, in this world, in this these modern times, particularly now during a pandemic, when we really can't be in person community. Yeah. How are these teachings, traditions, spiritual practices, prayers, wisdoms being transmitted? How do we continue to hold them? How do we embody them with, with the sacredness that they deserve mm -hmm. with respect to our elders, our ancestors? ourselves right. and in a way that is um in in alignment with reverence truth and integrity mm -hmm. right <clears throat> both to i think to say the long lines of that magic and then also to even just the more um recent generation of how that ma magic was formed right because we've got i mean and you're so beautifully you write so beautifully about this and you share so beautifully about this of so many ancient beyond our beyond the ancestors that we know and in the cultural sort of traditions that we were raised but like um you know the deities and the gods and the goddesses and the and the in the animist and pre-pagan even mm -hmm. culture of lands right mm -hmm. so there's like those traditions and then there is like what we were learning in the kitchen when you know zia cosima was stirring the sauce right <laughs> and, and those are those are all in conversation with each other exactly so there's a long ass line of tradition from this from this area that we speak of and that we come from and i did want to ask i have a question for you yeah um because and then I want to actually really talk about that. But I think that like if people are listening and they're you're interested in like, well, what is folk Catholicism and what is Benedicaria? But like I think that like folk Catholicism um, and I don't think folk Catholicism and Benedicaria are really two different things. Do they not fall under in some ways the same? No, they're probably. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you have folk Catholicism in other cultures that wouldn't be called necessarily be called Benedictaria. Okay. So feeling, okay. Cause I was like, I just am curious about it. Like what your thoughts are around it, like where it falls within the Catholic or the Italian folk Catholicism. Benedictaria is like almost the practice of Southern Italian folk Catholicism. It's, I would say Benedictaria is Southern Italian folk Catholicism. Okay. I think but like I feel like on from my Irish lineage, they also have a folk Catholic practice. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So yeah. um, it looks totally different. Yeah. I mean, there's a, you could definitely see where the crossover is, but, you know, it's, you know, di maybe different, different saints. Yeah, for you sure. Know? Regional regional saints and um that kind of thing but yeah different language. yeah different food for for spirit yeah um yeah so how do okay so here we are we're in this place where this is not something that has come into our life recently right we've we've been stepping in and well we've lived it we've really lived this is a lived experience mm -hmm. um not something that is we've had to you know learn later in life is i guess what i'm trying to say and so there's been this sort of responsibility within um with the work we do um that this is you know slowly 
as we're teach, I mean, I've I've been an educator and teacher for twenty years anyway. You know, in in creative works and creative writing and in, and in tarot, I stepped into in, in tarot, which was passed down to me by family members, and then eventually, kind of like stepping deeper and deeper into sharing some of the practices that I've been doing personally with other people, right? Like, because it feels powerful and it feels like it's the time and it feels like people are hungry for it. And it feels Mm -hmm. like it's important to keep these things alive. Yes. Because if we keep them to ourselves, they won't stay alive. They're not going to stay alive. And we're kind of like the last. So we're, we're stepping into elderhood. We're not really the elders yet. Right. (laughs) I feel it. I'm feeling old. Yeah, I know. Pandemic and look at this fire. I haven't had fresh year. It feels like fresh air. Yeah. It feels like a month, but um, so we're like stepping into it. But we still have elder teachers, bless them, and also like we're sitting here with like this little wisdom, this basket, this blood bat, this blood lineage basket. And we're like, okay, it's precious. It's very powerful. And how do we do it? Honor and also right, and also deliver it to or share it or teach it or mirror it or however you want to call it um in a way so that other people can experience its healing and its connection and um its magic and in in power and and in these especially really challenging and uncomfortable times to have something to lean into that feels real to you that feels like um it's in some ways yours and then what does that mean is it yours like is it yours if you have if is it yours if you're 5% Italian American? Is it yours if you're 0% Italian American? Is it yours if you've never really done any of the work and you just want to like take it and extract it from people and like share it out in the world without lived experience in really knowing it? Like, I don't know. And these are questions I'm just like throwing into the pot. But like, how as teachers, do we hold that? Like hold all of the variables in. Um, yeah, but not hold it up. There's like, it's like there's holding it and then there's uh, holding it up, right? And I think, and, and I think that's what's sort of where the fogginess comes in because it's like you, ha- you feel like you want to take responsibility for the way that it's shared. And yet at the same time, and I know we've talked about this, I, so the vast majority of my te- teaching has been in plant medicine, which is also a sacred practice coming from traditions, mainly I'm a Western, traditional Western herbalist. So we're talking American and all of that mix, as well as European traditions, all, you know, sourced in sacred practices. And I would say for the most part, I'm what you might call open source. So I'm kind of like, this isn't mine. Um, this is something that maybe I've shaped based on what I learned from other people, but definitely transmitted to me through others, whether, um, through trainings, um, courses, books, as well as my direct experience with plants and plant medicine and all that you learn from implementing things on using yourself and others. It, it as a practitioner and so for me I've always been very much like you know this is 
talking plant medicine here, the medicine of the people and, and you know, that it's really doesn't belong to me. Right. And I feel very similar with ancestral reclamation mm -hmm. and ancestral practices. You know, I definitely think that there is a place for keeping certain aspects sacred, partly because, and we've talked about this, is the responsibility to the consequences of sharing certain things with people who may not have at this point the context mm-hmm right so so it's like you know just being emotionally responsible to other people as well as spiritually and somatically i want to bring that in there responsible to sh what you what i share whether as a teacher or in other forms like in writings um and including social media because this is another i mean this is a a big thing, particularly now that many of our other ways of sharing information with each other, like for instance, here at my place, um, we always had a lot of this was shared in person here with my local community, right. face to face with people, many of whom I have known for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, <laughs> right? That to now, you know, the, over the last 10, 15 years, seeing everything switch into this virtual mode. And then, and then now with the pandemic, you know, it's just like everything is being shared virtually. Right. Everything. Cause we don't have a choice, which, which, which gives us way more people who want to learn. Right. It like expands almost globally. And then it also, you know, then it's like giving access, to a larger group of people versus like out your back door into your own local community. And so there is a little bit of, you know, there is a little bit of like, just be with the question of like how to be responsible in that. And like you too, I've always been taught with one of my first really like just teachers that really um, meant a lot to me. And I really respect her ways of Wapio who runs the uh, Matrona, which is a midwifery school. And she always said, you can't keep your secrets because right. your secrets are your wisdom and you can't keep it inside. So, but how do you responsibly share all the, like how do you responsibly share? And then how do you create relational agreements with your students? You know, because as you know, and I don't, I don't know any other cultures. Like I don't know any culture, other cultures, but my own, right? So right. in my own, we have this sort of over encompassing, like um, suspicious, secretive don't share that you're not supposed to share that family prayer you cannot pass that down this is not just for everybody certainly do not put this information on facebook like if it's authentic or legit you would not be sharing these practices and we've talked about it before was that just a mechanism because there was a sort of shame and how um pagan these people were when they immigrated and that was not like the culture here it was very puritanical so were they or was it because they were trying to protect something that was so powerful that if it got in the wrong hands could be um, diluted or misused. And I don't have answers for that, but these are questions that I'm kind of sitting with, you know, right now, because I want to share everything. I want to share because it's beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. And, and it can help I people and it can connect people. And it can help people. We're here for the healing. Like we have to be here for the healing. 
So if we're keeping healing, then I'm not a very good teacher. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because there are, you know, situations where I think that it's hard for people to release ownership or there's hard for people to understand how people can intersect cultures. Um, well, and, and I think also, that's, the, that's the next, you know, that's the next thing is cultural. So humans are programmed to cultural convergence, right? We're programmed to traditions are programmed, whatever you want to call it, to adapt. And people are programmed to share. I mean, it's like, here, I'll show you how I do this. You show me how you do that. How do you, you know, and at the same time, we also recognize that we live in an overculture that is proprietary and exploitive. Yes. And we realize that we live in a world where in order to get our needs met, we have to implement capitalist techniques. Great. So, <laughs> so you like a <laughs> we're what? We're at like a little sticky point. Sorry, I just shut my window because my dogs are freaking out at something. So just in, in motion, but like I hear you and it's like, how do all of these places, you know, intersect so that we remain in integrity? I think that right now it's like, how do I keep remaining in integrity? How do I keep honoring my ancestors in the way that is in, of integrity? How do I um, honor and respect and trust my students that is in a relationship of integrity? And also how do I show up kind of like, you know, in, in classroom space or student space, right? It's, it's a closed circle, but then also we're on the social media thing and this is not a closed circle. This is like, whoo. And so then how do we honor and respect the medicine? And do we need to be considerate about what we share and how we share it? And I mean, it's kind of funny. This might be like, you know, it's, is it for everyone? And do we, and do we trust the people who are seeing it to know that's not for me now? Like, can we trust people when they receive what we're sharing to say, this is not for me now. And I'm not going to take it because I can't use it in integrity right now. Um, or do we kind of just have to like, let that go and what may happen may happen. And again, I, I ask those questions like universally, like anyone else, anyone out there have the answers? <laughs> I'd love to know. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I certainly don't, you know, I feel like, um, it's uncharted territory and it is tangled up with a lot of aspects of culture. But there would be some things you wouldn't share, right, Lisa? Like, what would you not, what would, what are some things that you wouldn't share? Like just in general, you don't have to get specific. Like, are there things and some things that you've been passed down that is like, only for like a small group of students or a small group of friends that is not a larger teaching. Like yeah, I mean, I would definitely say mo the Malocchio cures. Yeah. I mean, I might share, and, and I think, so we've talked about this, um, you know, my, my experience, right, which is situational, right? So it's like I can't, with, certain rituals, including the locio, is like, that was not a secret. Mm -hmm. um, I did grow up in an Italian, Amer a strong Italian American community with Italian American right. friends. You know, everybody's grandmother did it. 
it, but do you, you know, think it wasn't a secret because you were in an insular community, or do you think it wasn't a secret because it just wasn't care? a thing that I that 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 took up any like it wasn't a big yeah it wasn't it was like you know sweeping the floor doing the pasta sauce you know yeah. the 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 malocchio clearing the malocchio <laughs> you know it's like you know or, you know somebody would say you know it wasn't it wasn't a secret something like like. In fact, just recently, one of my cousins, I was talking to my cousins about something, and he's like, what, did somebody put the eye on you? You know, so he'd be like, do you think you got the eye, you know? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, maybe I do got the eye. Like, it wasn't like, you could say that any, like, people, grandmothers do this in their kitchen. Yes. It was so part of life, because really, when you look at kind of like, the malok is, 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 sometimes it's, it's, it's given by accident. It's like, what is these things where we like in this culture where they're like yeah people just give them a look they don't even mean to give them a look you're so beautiful you're so fertile you have such fecundity you're 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 wealthy you're all these things and you and somebody accidentally looks at you in a way that feels a little bit out of boundary just because they feel like oh they wish they had what they had but not maliciously right so it's accidental so they're kind of always clearing them a look you could be walking down the street and somebody accidentally gives you the well malok. they used to give it so my in my family i can share this because it's funny and it's yeah. fine okay. it's, it's but it's like some of this stuff, some of it was, and I think this is some of the responsibility. Some of it was scary for me, like as a little kid, because I, I was coming like cross-culturally into it. But like one of the things was that when you, you would, when you were boiling pasta, you would check. It was just like, oh, okay, you're going to check for the malok every, every time you boil pasta. Yeah. This was the right? water was already there. there was water was already there. And so, and then, so you, you put the, the oil in. And depending on how, what happened with the, the way that, if, and if you, if it would, showed you had it, you had to take the water and throw it out the door so the next person would get it. I remember you telling me that about the pasta water outside. Like I have no, remember that. And I don't think I ever experienced seeing that. I don't think in my memory, but that is fascinating. But in, in, and so then after that, I was like, I learned that at some point from my grandmother. And then I stopped putting oil in my pasta water for one, because I was like, I'm not going to give this to other people. You can't do that. And then I'm like, and I'm also not going to dump a whole pot of water after I boiled it. Cause I got four kids and I'm on a time schedule. Yeah, right. And so I just stopped putting, I still, to this day, I, I do them. I'll, I do them alone. Yeah. Separate. Separate. You're not doing yeah. it while you're making your pasta. But, yeah. but the, so some of it is like the thing is they did that you couldn't just there's a there's a whole book about this called crossroads magic there were things you had to bring in the crossroads you had to get rid of it and somebody else had to take it somebody had to because 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 that spirit of that can't be de demolished it can't be diminished it can't be eradicated it has to be passed around and, and you, you don't want to hold it. You're going to basically say to somebody else, sorry, it's your turn to hold it. And then hopefully that person has the tools to keep passing it around. Because um, we can't, can't, in that sort of spiritual technology, you can't get rid of it. There is no banishing. It's just, it's a, it lives. I remember something, and I don't, I actually don't remember where I got this 
from if somebody told it to me or um, my brain isn't working, but that you ha you can also be responsible for making sure that you don't. So like, okay, so like if I was like you and I were talking and like you are looking so lovely or something was like really great or you got something really great happened to you and I might have had like a little twinge of jealousy or something yeah. like that, like I would kiss my finger and like, you know, and, and touch you like and acknowledge yeah. like, oh, nope, just in case I gave it to you, I don't want to give it to you. Like right. I'm aware that I can give that to you. So I don't right. want to. So it's like the sense of responsibility, which I don't see a lot of people, like we're always trying to protect ourselves from the evil eye. I see a lot of protection, but like, I wonder how much people are also doing the work. Cause I think our ancestors did the work to make sure they didn't really give it. They didn't want to give it. Right. Like we were in this relationship again around it where it's not this like, pass on like this sort of like one-sided sort of teaching or mechanism in magic it was like this sort of like interwoven like i don't want to give it and i didn't want to get rid of it so we're going to always be in that in that sort of world which i really liked and i don't i wish i remember i could give credit to who taught me that and i don't know if it was like an elder or if it was a person in sicily um but i like that because i've been doing that lately that this <laughs> the one that i know of is you is you go yeah or, or you, or you tell, or you tell that person, I hope more of that for you. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. There's lots you know, of ways. But, but one of the other things is you have people, and I was actually talking to a friend of mine who is of Lebanese descent and they, cause they have the evil eye in their culture too. And she said in Lebanon, if you look at somebody's shirt and you say, oh, that's so, oh, I love your shirt. They'll take it off and give it to you. <laughs> like I don't want it anymore. Right. Like, they don't because you just ruined it. Like you like, like you just, you know, so it's like, so then somebody I was, we were talking about, well, how do you compliment? So like, how do you say, Oh, you know, that's, that's, you know, and you just, I hope you, I hope more of that for you. I hope more of that for you. Yeah. Hope more of that for you. What a beautiful, like what a beautiful teaching to include in that. Like we're like, I just see so like a lot of friends, like I see that blue eye, the evil eye, very trendy, very, very trendy right now in the sense of like, when I say trendy, I mean, not just like in community, I mean, like being for being sold mass produced as like a charm without any cultural context. Like my kids are showing it to me. They're like, look, mom, look what's be like, look what's on like, you know, Claire's boutique, I don't know, like, like, look what's at Target, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. It's being sold everywhere. So those are some of the reasons why I think the um, transmission and teachings are very important because they actually will get diluted once it gets trendy. I mean, being Italian is, is trendy, <laughs> apparently. So like it's a being an Italophile or, you know, is a trendy thing. And it's so weird because especially in Southern Italian culture, like it wasn't that it wasn't beneficial for our people to actually. No, it wasn't it, beneficial to me. I mean, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, d depending on what you mean by beneficial, but you know, yeah. in my uh, in my upbringing, it it was definitely. Yeah, so it I was we... on the stain of people's cars, so it was a little bit hurtful. You know, it was a little bit hurtful. It was being called names. It was being, it was yeah. being, and and even more than that, you know, uh, looping back around, you're talking about your grandfather's bookie, and I think we could we need to do another podcast oh on this on this your father. Sorry on this topic of the mafia, um, because that's, that's a whole can of worms that I don't want to, we don't need to get into today, but 
um, I think we're talking about doing at least the second part of this, if not more, but um, that, and I have so much to say about that. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> say during this pan like this this last bit of the pandemic oh i did a lot of um personal familial ancestral healing watching uh the sopranos <laughs> right like it became medicine for me like there was some deep work happening with that show with me like it was i was like oh my god yeah i mean there's a lot i mean that show i mean that there's so much there um in yeah. so many ways um yeah that really does reflect a lot of things i think they miss some of it i think that they that that you know they took a they took a cross section of time um i think i think we really you know we really need a, not just the italian mafia but any organized crime which you see again cross-culturally in oppressed cultures yeah, yeah. Um, it was their way to survive um yeah, ramp like rampant capitalism. Like I don't, I don't want to glorify it. Like I, right. I don't want to be that glorifies it. But no. also, I talked about before. There was a sense of protection. There's a sense of protection in our culture um, that came directly from that. And it's complicated. It's complex. It's, it's complex. It's very complicated because I'm not going to say that like, you know, I was a very bad idea and it was a really horrible that my father was a bookie that comes with a lot of different things. Like, I'm just going to use that term. And at the same time, I knew that was, that was all he had. And that was what he was good at. And that was, was going to give his seven children a sense of protection and the minimal like shelter and food right because he was a he had to drop out of school you know he, he was not able to do what you know um other people were doing at that time around that had more um they didn't have opportunity he didn't have any opportunities so and that's a small little scale family story and that, and that see your, your your father is almost my grandparents generation yeah my dad's 91. Right. And so my grandfather would be 105. Yeah. So that's so. Different. So there's and I know, you know, that Italians, when my grandfather was coming of age and starting his family, could not get loans. Right. No. Could were not included in um, mainstream American cultural communities like the fire department you couldn't get in you couldn't be a volunteer fireman in the town where my grandparents lived if you were italian and so they lived my great-grandparents in utica lived in the red line the italians lived in the red line neighborhood so if you lived in, in people familiar with the red lines you couldn't get you, you couldn't get a loan you couldn't get a mortgage for a house in the red line. No. So, but I think we should save the. Yeah, that, yeah. let's save it. Cause it's a, I think it's a really important conversation to have like around like, you know, capitalism and culture and, and what happens and, and, but yeah, that was, it, my dad was born in 1929. Right. So, you know, in, in, in it's right. My grandparent, my grandfather was born in 1914 and my grandmother was born in 1913. So but he's like just bare, they're almost the same generation. Mm -hmm. So it's big stuff. And it's all part of this experience. Like it's, it's, this, those things can't really be separate. 
those things are can't be I don't think any of these things can be really separated. I mean, we could talk about them separately, but there's a reason that um, our culture is really rooted in protection magic. I know. <laughs> protection <laughs> magic. It's protection from the evil eye, snake bites, yeah. um, spider bites, <laughs> and poisoning. <laughs> Beautiful. So do you want to just, so I just thought, um, as we like wind down that maybe just, um, you start just share that you have embarked your, you have a ancestral remembrance. I call it ancestral wisdom school for lack of better terminology yeah. in my part. Yeah. We actually started it. It was a, a pretty, really amazing group of people, um, showed up for it. I wasn't really sure like how it was going to work. I've never done anything this long. It's a long commitment. And it was basically like, this isn't like, you know, um, you know, a weekend work. <laughs> it's, we're going to do this. We're going to mm. go from, we're going to start. And, and then you're going to still have nine, nine to 90 more years really to be in this work, but here's nine months. So it's like a nine month. I don't know what to call it. Program journey, school, whatever. And we're just right now we just started. So we're just kind of doing foundational practices and like foundational practices is like that loss, that grief, exploring ourselves like exploring the bloodlines that call to us hmm. um like i though i think i've used this term too putting even the assholes on the wall finding right. an old finding a place for those asshole ancestors so that you can pray for them they don't need to necessarily be front and center and, and you don't need to be like worshiping them in any way but like not bypassing them knowing that you come from them so we just kind of started that out and it's been really fun and we're just gonna go through it you know and i'm it's it's and this isn't Italian American. This isn't it's This is Europe. Like anybody of it's yeah. It's anybody with as I I said challenging European bloodlines. Yeah. Um, so, you know. So we all have challenging European bloodlines, and I come to it from a lens of being a, a Southern Italian American, right? Because I will share some of those practices with people who are not um, Southern Italian, but to in some ways invite them and open up the container for them right. to explore and find similar practices because there yeah. are similar practices all over well the world but let's just right. talk you know european diaspora like there's there's all you know we all have protection bags and protection prayers and right. and and deities and saints and goddesses and and amulets and all these things and i'm going to come from it from mine and i'm going to share with you and also let's talk about what yours are let's right you know, let's well, that's the them. trigger that's the catalyst for people to realize to me it's like well this is just a catalyst and then it's going to take you exactly where yeah. spirit wants to take you where your ancestors want to take you Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's been, it's fun. And, and, um, I feel really good about it. I feel good about it. And I'm hoping that everybody in there finds some like medicine and, and something and something in it. And I might do it again. I'm I, who knows? I mean, this time next year, I might be living on an Island under a volcano picking tomatoes. <laughs> God will. I hope you are. If you are, I'm coming to visit. Can I come visit? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you. So also, do you want to share like contact, like your web address? People can find you at www. <laughs> <laughs> it's my name. It's marybethbonfilio.com. So 
Maybe you can write that because I know that that's a weird. I'll type it. Yeah, I'll put. And Instagram is the same thing. I also have an Instagram account for. um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, Radici Siciliane um, is like it was an Instagram account for taking um, doing pilgrimage work in Sicily, which I was able to do um the, uh this time last year actually and had um opened it up to three more pilgrimages in may and june um of 2020 and then COVID hit so i had to cancel all of those so i'm not quite sure what's happening with that but that's also where i share a little bit more specifically sicilian stuff so it's like really specific my my name instagram account is just you know all it's open parts. to all people, though, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. the pilgrimage? Both pilgrimages and the account and everything is for everybody. Yeah, the account yeah. is open to all people. And the pilgrimages are as well. Um, yeah. But I'm not sure why you'd want to. But if you... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get it. Everyone's welcome. <laughs> why? How would anybody want to? I don't know. But... <laughs> said to me and I feel like this is a good closing to like kind of encapsulate what it really does mean to have a lived experience of being southern Italian and part of an immigrant community and all of this and why all this is kind of so important to us is when I told my dad for the first time I was going I'm like I'm going to Sicily he's like why the hell would you want to go there it's a bunch of crooks there and I was yeah. like my god that's the story that was fed to these people and why it's so important important for us to be like actually there's a lot of beauty and magic and not a whole bunch of crooks so like that's that's like that's sort of my why in like that moment like I had a long history of doing it but when my dad said that to me I just like burst out into tears and I was like it changes it changes here that that narrative changes right now I love that resolve thank you yeah all right thank you Mary Beth Bye-bye. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>